It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here again for another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day of the week here on the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Spotify and all of the other major podcasting platforms out there on the web. Um, Also, Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer weekly Friday mailbag questions. The way to get those questions into me is by either adding me or DMing me. Make sure to follow me first there on Twitter at Julian Council. On today's show, can I have Steven Toronto? He is a writer um, for CBSSports.com. He covers the NFL and NASCAR, but he also does some work for the Riot Report covering the Carolina Panthers. So going to talk to him about Joe Brady being fired, whether Matt Rule really should be on the hot seat, his thoughts on David Tepper, and just the overall state over the organization heading into the Panthers' Week 14 matchup against Atlanta. All that and more after these quick messages. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away and on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an all-exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the football season continues its march towards the playoffs. BetOnline.ag remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From the NBA, college basketball, the NFL, to college football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, as promised, Stephen Toronto, a fellow Elon alum, always proud to be joined by another Phoenix Maroon and Gold, the best university this side of the Mississippi. He covers the NFL and NASCAR for CBS Sports. We can primarily catch all of his Carolina Panthers content over at the Riot Report. Stephen, how you doing today, man? Not bad. Uh, I'll tell you, this this does feel like old times. I was going to mention, it feels like we're back at uh, WSOE doing. Uh, I think it was Wednesday nights shows were. Yeah, Wednesday nights on uh, WSOC, number 89.3, the only alternative. alternative. (laughs) Yeah, those were the days, man. That and one-on-one sports. It's always cool to see 
where a lot of the Elon folks have gone on since our time there with you doing your st- your deal down there, CBS Sports down in, uh, outside of Nashville and Franklin. And we've had guys over at CBS, uh, not at CBS Sports, but yeah, at CBS Sports, but also at ESPN, CNN Sports, um, just doing local TV stuff. So it's really cool to see what the brotherhood there of one-on-one sports and Elon has been able to do over the last couple of years. It's amazing to think of how uh, – how it's really blossomed in, uh, in the 10 years since, uh, since we first got there. It's, uh, ours is a really nice kept secret in the sports media world in terms of developing guys, putting them out there, and uh, just glad it could be a small part of it with you as well, obviously. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And glad we saw that relationship. And I'm really happy that you're covering the Panthers. I remember when you uh, had first moved down to Nashville, we had talked back when I was working at uh, 1 2 5 The Game. And it's really cool just to see you kind of connect with my hometown team. And then now you have the outlet with the right, the right report also to kind of cover the team. Just want to get your thoughts because it's been, man, it's been like a wild roller coaster ride throughout the first 13 weeks of the season. And even the bye week was not quiet, at least what we thought it was going to be until Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon around 1.19 p.m. Right as the 1 p.m. games kicked off. Eastern time, Joe Brady, the Panthers offensive coordinator, at least formally, was let go of his duties as OC. When you saw that, what was your first reaction? Well, I well, like you said, I had settled in to watch the one o'clock games. And honestly, my first thought was, why now? Because uh, usually when you make that kind of a dramatic change on the coaching staff with your offensive coordinator or whatever, it's usually in the immediate postmortem of a loss or uh, or what have you. So to me, just the fact that this was done on a Sunday and apparently it was going to happen on a Saturday, but uh, Matt Rule couldn't reach Joe Brady just makes it all that much more strange. Uh, you know, so, so the timing of it really for me was the, the biggest thing that I kind of questioned. Now, I did have my reservations when the Panthers first hired Joe Brady to begin with. I I felt that that was really a big splash move based on Brady's uh, credentials at LSU and what he had just done winning a national championship there. But also people forget that Brady was not the offensive coordinator of that team. He was the uh, passing game coordinator and he didn't directly call plays. So, so I have no reservations about exactly how he would translate to the NFL level. Uh, Obviously, it, it seems like he's thought highly of uh, the fact that he got head coaching interviews uh, last hiring cycle uh, is an illustration of that. But to be honest, I, I did think that that was a case of a guy getting too much too soon, uh, especially when uh, when I would see other people discuss Brady as this great play caller or uh, you know future head coach. I was like, no, no, listen, listen, guys, uh, the Panthers have big red zone issues. Uh, Brady has issues of his own in terms of being a play caller. Uh, you know, you don't want this as much as you think you do. So, so really, that was my big takeaway. I thought that the way things were progressing, that Brady might be on the outs uh, after the season. Obviously, I'm just as surprised as anyone that he didn't make it to the end of the season. And it's, uh, you know, it's a problem for Matt Rule. I don't think anyone can directly deny that and it's going to be interesting in these final five games to see exactly uh, how he navigates through this and how and really if he gets out the other end all right 
Yeah, and the thing too about Joe Brady, and I had the same reservations. I'm I'm really big on college football. You know that. And back when I was living in Nashville, I wanted to find the game. You know, I got to go to SEC Media Days a couple times there. And you know, whenever I get in a setting like that, I like to just go around, mingle, talk to people. That's really where you get a chance to network and you know find some people who you can talk to and ask questions about those certain schools when people like Joe Brady come available. And from what was told to me with the folks down in Baton Rouge that I knew who work over at 104.5 ESPN and Matt Moscone in particular on the afternoon show was that, yeah, Joe Brady was certainly instrumental in how they changed their offense there at LSU. And years past, you had heard how LSU was going to open up their offense. And I was kind of at the point where I'll believe it until I see it. They said the same thing under Les Miles. Coach Joe had said the same thing, but it finally happened. When we hired Joe Brady. But still, like, you had an NFL quarterback, a Heisman Trophy winner. You had three NFL wide receivers and a number one and a first round running back in Clyde Edwards Alaire. You had a veteran offensive line that turned out to be the best offensive line in college football. And Joe Brady didn't even work with Joe Burrow, he worked with the wide receivers. So the thought that he was some sort of quarterback guru was just not really true at all. And Coach Ed Ogeron didn't really help him out by calling it Joe Brady's offense. It was really Steve Ensminger's offense on first and second down. Ensminger's calling the plays. Then on third down, Joe Brady could give a certain, you know, input on what he thinks they might want to play or run, but Insminger still is going to make the ultimate decision. So I feel bad in a, for, in a way for Joe Brady. Like, yeah, he's getting still millions of dollars to go away, but I feel bad for the guy who got this job probably sooner than he should have. But he also decided to consciously leave LSU and come to Carolina. And Matt Rule kind of admitted to that. While he doesn't see it as a mistake that he made, it was something that he went out of his comfort zone to do by hiring someone that he did not know instead of sticking with someone like Jeff Nixon, who will now take over the play calling throughout the rest of the season. And now that Nixon's taking over the play calling, do you foresee the Panthers offense suddenly turning things around over the next five weeks, starting on Sunday against Atlanta? Well, frankly, if they can find rhythm in the run game, they can. Uh, you know, that's really what Matt Rule wants to do. That's what this kind of style of offense is predicated off of. And if you think about some of the Panthers' best offensive stretches in the past, uh, you know, three, four, five years, it, it's come when they've been a dominant running team. Now, uh, I don't think they're going to flip uh, a switch in one or two weeks exactly, but we have seen uh, earlier this year, uh, I know the Falcons game comes to mind. It's not like they're not capable of running the football and being a run-heavy team. And since mid-October, I think, that's what Matt Rule has publicly expressed that he wants to do. Uh, obviously, now you have Cam Newton in the mix uh, at quarterback. We all know what he's capable of as a, as a runner, still uh, well over the age of 30. So, so really, I would say that that's going to be the key to whether or not the Panthers can open things up uh, in the red zone, especially with the rest of their offense. Uh, I, I would like to see production of wide receiver, get back to what it was in the uh, first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, Robbie Anderson's production has been a sticking point, but uh, also DJ Moore. Uh, so, so we'll see. We'll see in, in that regard. Yeah, it's hard to think that just all of a sudden they're going to get, I mean, let's not say elite quarterback play, but I, mean, I don't, I don't want to say competent seems that's kind of harsh on Cam because Cam, he was fine. Like we, He hasn't been in the offense very long. And the Miami game, yes, it was abysmal, but there was a reason why he didn't play well. So I don't want to sit here and bang on Cam for that performance, but it did not lead you to feel very confident in him moving forward based off of that performance. But hopefully after last week, 
working primarily with Sean Ryan, which I think is pretty important too when you talk about Joe Brady no longer being here in Carolina, that Cam was talking to and working with the quarterback coach here in Carolina, Sean Ryan, not directly with Joe Brady. So we'll see how things change, but the offensive line's still not great. They're still not number three wide receiver. As you mentioned, Robbie Anderson's production has gone so far down that no one would have expected that, that it's hard to believe that. And without Chris McCaffrey too, it's hard to believe the Carolina Panthers are just all of a sudden going to figure things out offensively. Now, here's the thing though. If they're not able to, you know, at least find some semblance of balance or success over the next five weeks, that could bode bad for Matt Rule, right? Because this is a guy who, according to Mike Florio and one of his sources on Monday, said on his show Pro Football Talk that head coach next if they don't get things turned around here in Carolina. How much trouble do you think Matt Rule really is in here heading into the final five weeks? Well, in my opinion, he shouldn't be. Uh, obviously, I have a bit of a soft spot for Matt Rule, given that he's a uh, Tom Coughlin ac- acolyte. But really, my whole problem with, and, and I discussed this in my last column, uh, the problem I've had with the Panthers this season is that when uh, David Tepper made the decision to move on from Ron Rivera at the end of 2019, uh, he, he started talking about kind of a long-term process of rebuilding the team from the ground up and early this year uh, obviously that 3-0 start everyone feels really good about themselves and the way that, that things were going and it just feels like the Panthers as an organization uh, ate the cheese because suddenly they started making all these splash moves like trading for CJ Henderson and dealing uh, Dan all over the way who had uh pretty good rapport with Sam Darnold and you know you really can't convince me that Darnold's falling off wasn't at least in part because they, they kind of took his comfort blanket away there uh the Stefan Gilmore trade was another one uh and you could probably lump in the Cam Newton signing as well but that was more necessitated by circumstances with Darnold so so now you're in this position where where the sword of Damocles is swinging over Matt Rule's head all of a sudden because the Panthers accelerated uh, their plan and what they were trying to uh, that what they were trying to get to maybe in 2022 maybe in 2023. So I, I just don't like I just don't like putting this on on Rule uh, in the sense that I I feel like uh, head coaches especially young head coaches coaches in their first uh, NFL coaching opportunity should get at least three years to really implement their vision and also figure things out. Uh, Ron Rivera was like that once. If you remember, Ron, his first two seasons, uh, six and 10, 2019, I think they were two and what was their record after they lost? It was okay. So like the first, I think first year, I want to say it was like what, six and 10. I think they were, like seven and nine his second year. Yeah. And then they started off one and three back in 2013. And they had that horrible loss in Buffalo and everyone mm-hmm. saying fire Ron Rivera. Then they turned things around, go on a long winning streak and end up being 12 and four. Yeah. And of but, course, but they, 2012, like, yeah. I think they were like a two, three win team entering December. And then they kind of got hot late in the year. Uh, with yeah. Coach four, in uh, 14 when they, yeah, when they were like three, eight and one. Yeah. 14 as well, but I'm talking more in terms of when Ron wasn't uh, established and still kind of fledgling and basically before the John Madden meeting 
he always okay. uh, he would always talk about. Uh, so I I do think that Coach Rule has earned the opportunity to try and figure this out. Uh, I think if people were being realistic, uh, there was probably going to, there were always going to be growing pains with with Coach Rule, and that's that's my biggest problem overall. I I just question how realistic people were being uh, all the way up to David Tepper really about what this team was and what the ceiling for it was uh, this season. Now, now they're kind of paying the price for that. I, I hope that that rule doesn't have to pay the ultimate price for it uh, next uh, come January 10th. More with Steven Toronto in just a moment. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate? cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie built bar gives you that fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines built bar can give you that extra something to keep you going so throw one in your jacket or purse you never know when you're going to need it like some of those marshmallow treats around the holidays you need to get your hands on built bar puffs they're light fluffy and marshmallowy through and through different flavors all covered in chocolate taste so good you won't believe that they're filled with protein go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you you bring that up because, you know, Twitter is not necessarily real life. I have plenty of friends here who are Panther fans, and I don't hear the same sentiment about Matt Rule and firing him that I see daily on my Twitter feed. And I appreciate how passionate the folks who listen to this podcast are and the Panther fans out there in Charlotte and across the world. Like, I get it. They want to see their team win. Like, we were in, what, season 27, and we've never had back-to-back winning seasons. People are tired of the mediocrity. Now you have this guy in David Tepper who's come in, and he's going to spend whatever it takes for this team to never be at a competitive disadvantage. And his first hire is a guy who's primarily been a college coach, which has not typically worked out well in the NFL. People want to be positive I'll, about it. I'll just, I'll just say this about the college coach label. I, I think sure. ultimately – I think ultimately Rule wants to be an NFL head coach because I agree. He mentioned he mentioned Sparcells being his uh, his idol. Obviously, he learned under Tom Coughlin, and Coughlin kind of had the same career trajectory uh, when he went from Boston College to uh, the Jaguars way back in the '90s. And and actually, tell you the truth, he was the wide receivers coach on Parcells' staff. Then he went to Boston College. Then, then he went to uh, the head coaching job in Jacksonville. So really, Rule has taken almost the exact same path from uh, being on Coughlin's staff to Temple to Baylor, down to Carolina. Yeah, no, and like that's a great point you bring up. I guess from the way I think the fans are looking at it is you're excited, but you're also reluctant just based off of the recent history of guys who have spent most of their coaching careers in college. 
So when you come into the second year and you're seeing a lot of the same issues, like the third quarter and the lack of adjustments and just you, the quarterback carousel that they've had here, where they get rid of Cam, they sign Teddy, which is fine if that's who you want to have, but stick with him. They decided not to do that. Then they gamble on Darnold after striking out on Stafford and then the Watson thing couldn't happen. And then now you're back here just hoping that Cam Newton can save the season. I get where the frustration will come from, but I'm kind of with you too where it's like, I think you should get three years. If David Tepper, who said at his introductory press conference, felt that Matt Rule was a program builder, he's not going to build this thing in just two seasons, especially when they've had as much roster turnover from the past regime to now here in, what, within, what, the first 28 games of Matt Rule at Carolina. And I also believe that he should be given the opportunity to make the changes, which right there starts off with Joe Brady. But if you don't see the kind of improvement that you hope to see next year, that will be an issue. But I think at the end of the day, and I wonder if you agree with this, it's going to come down to whether he's able to nail the quarterback position this offseason. Well, that's, uh, I think that's with any coaching staff, really. And a lot yeah. of anyone who gets to that position in the NFL, uh, some guys don't make it because they can't figure out that position. And you mentioned David Tepper. Uh, the, the thing I want to say is that I, I think by the end of the season, we're really going to get – decisive answers on exactly what type of owner David Tepper actually is. Yes. Because, you know, because if Matt Rule doesn't make it, like we've kind of been discussing the possibility of, that'll start to suggest to me, okay, this guy is an impulsive owner who, you know, is kind of, uh, you know, kind of throwing what's it at the wall and seeing, seeing if something sticks. You know, and, and it's just trying and just thinks that the way to win is to be as aggressive as possible and, or to spend as much money as possible. And, uh, and that's the path to victory in the NFL, and it, it, it really isn't. So I'll be, I'll be bullish on the Panthers' uh, long-term uh, prospects if Tepper proves to be uh, a little more calculated than, than, than that uh, scenario that I presented, and, and to his credit, I think he's done that in the past. I, I think that uh, sticking with uh, Rivera after 2018, even though he didn't necessarily uh, align philosophically with him, I think I think that was smart. I think that showed uh, restraint on his part. Uh, now you could say that uh, that Ron's success in uh, in Washington has is a bad look for Tepper, but. Really, I think that the most important takeaway from this season is is going to come, de- depending on what ownership does, because because as as you know, and I think you've said this in the past, you're always at the mercy of ownership, and, and as a fan, that's all you can really hope for is that your owner has a clue or knows what he's doing. It's the biggest competitive advantage in sports. Yes, and you look at the ownership styles here in Charlotte, like Michael Jordan's always been pretty hands-off, at least publicly. You don't ever see him around. You always seem to see David Tepper around. He seems to be a pretty active participant. Like, I don't want to say he's meddling. I want to say he's very active in all the decisions that are made. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't allow people to make their do their jobs, but, like, the Bridgewater decision to get rid of him, that seems to be something that came from the owner. And when you want to place it on the owner opposed to on the head coach and GM, you can't really blame them when they land on Darnold when they did try to get Stafford, who's had a pretty good season in L.A., and they tried to get Watson, and those just weren't good options, and the owner 
might not be patient enough to sit there and wait for three years for a rookie quarterback like a Mac Jones, who's in a great situation in New England, had a good year, but I think the situation is what's helped him out more than anything. And Justin Fields, who's going to take a couple years for him to really be that franchise quarterback if he ever gets there in Chicago. Like, I don't know how patient the guy really is. Like, I brought the point yesterday, just talking about David Tepper kind of in depth, that you kind of brought up there about Ron Rivera, and he stuck, stuck with him in tw- after 2018 when he didn't really have to do that. But Ron was coming off one year of being a playoff coach and they had one down year and your quarterback after a six and two start, his shoulder fell apart. And you thought, okay, if he comes back healthy, we'll be just fine. After 2019, I get it, move on. It's not the guy you hired. So it wasn't really like he showed that much patience. Um, but since he's taken over and hired his own people, like the rash decision, I think, to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. And then now what we're seeing with the, what's going to happen with uh, potentially there might be a heat on rule. I don't know if that's really what is true or not, but that's some of the rumblings, at least from people who say they're, they're in the know in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of just like how patient this guy really is. And if the Carolina Panthers might be in a position where the owner is going to hold them back from having the sustained success that he says that he wants to bring here. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the thing that uh, the comparison that people have been making with Tepper after he got a, about a year into this was, okay, is this guy another Jerry Jones? Is this uh you know, uh, talk talk a big game. Talk about uh, talk about winning. Spend a lot of money, and then you know, don't don't commit to things when things go wrong. That that type of uh, I'm not going to call Tepper a megalomaniac if if that's the word, but you know, I, I think I think there is due cause to try and see. Okay, is is he this sort of owner? And, and I mean, there's worse types of owners that you can have. Uh, you know, you could certainly have the sort of owner who's like, oh, well, this team. As long as the team makes money, it doesn't have to be good, which I don't think uh, I don't think the Panthers have uh, in Tepper. Yeah, uh, it's just you know there's a lot still to be settled because we're not even five years into uh, Tepper's tenure as, as team owner. So so there's still a lot of ambiguity. There's still a lot of you know a lot of situational things. It's like okay, well we don't know quite how Tepper is going to operate in this scenario. Uh, yeah, and, that, that's and part of that's part of the uh, that's part of the uncertainty is just the ambiguity of not having anything referenced to suggest okay, well, Pepper would do this. That's that's part of the problem that I personally have. Yeah, and this is why I like talking to you because like you you've always had a pretty measured you know approach to all these things when evaluating teams, and you know, obviously you're knowledgeable. Like I, I appreciate when he came to Carolina. Like I've always said it. Like Jerry. Richardson ran this thing like a mom and pop shop when it should be ran like a fortune 500 company. It's a billion dollar business. I mean, $2.25 billion liquid. That's what Jerry Richardson yep. got. Learned for that selling from the, the McCaskies, all yeah, the like, old NFL types. Yeah. Like this is, it, we're, we're now into the 21st century of how to operate an NFL team. You're seeing it all across the league, except for some of those, those old, um, ownership teams like you brought up like the, the giants with the the mara family you can see the oh McCaskies. would you like to talk about the mara family no no this is locked to talk about when it comes to the mara family steven this is locked on panthers you yes, can go take yes, that to locked on giants <laughs> but yeah that, I'm, I just, I'm happy to bring it back to that but <laughs> no the guy's long-suffering giants fan over here that's steven toronto um but yeah like i'm i'm happy not to be in a situation like you see like in detroit chicago new york like we, i just brought up there like I appreciate he took the time to fix the business side before making changes on the football side. And I like how he's reorganized things in the front office, which 
didn't have a team president, didn't really have a, didn't have an assistant GM. It was just Marty Herney and the scouting department was all out of whack. And then bringing in um, analytics and all that situation, like people forget like what, what things were like in the front office when Danny Morrison left. And then when Brandon Bean left and you're seeing other scouts leave just how bare it was those final couple seasons with Jerry Richards. So I appreciate what he's been able to do to bring this team into the 21st century. I just am kind of concerned about just, you know, he says he gets pissed off after the games, like every fan and people appreciate that. People loved how he put the logo on the field and he will go to Roy, to um, Roy, uh, riot, wait, roaring riot. Yes. Roaring riot tailgates and drink beers with fans and all that. Like that's cool and all, but we need to see wins. And we need to hope that he makes the right decisions and hires the right people. If he does want to eventually move on from Matt rule. Now, so let's look at this though, moving through the rest of the season and kind of closing out on this. They're five and seven. They are only a game out of the seven seed in the playoffs. I feel like if they have any chance, they have to beat Atlanta on Sunday. I think that pretty much goes about saying. And then after that, you got to get three out of the last four to get to nine and eight. And I don't, I don't think eight and nine gets it done because I just think with the tiebreakers, they're just probably not going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team either way, but do you see a path potentially after the bye week getting rid of Joe Brady that the Carolina Panthers can all of a sudden put everything together without Christian McCaffrey, without J.C. Horn, without Dante Jackson, and keep pounding NBA playoff team here in 2021? Well, I think the really fascinating thing about the Panthers' remaining schedules was the fact that there's four NFC South games in there. Uh, Atlanta this weekend at home. Uh, New Orleans on the road. New Orleans is a uh, beat, really beat up. Uh, they're a hospital ward. They've, uh, any chances that they had of contending this year have just been uh, destroyed by the sheer amount of injuries they suffered. And then there's Tampa Bay twice. And I think if – if this season is really going to amount to anything, uh, they're going to have to win at least one of those two Tampa Bay games. And, and really, that's what's going to uh, tell you what this team is made of and where they're headed. Because, let's face it, uh, defending Super Bowl champs likely uh, head to an NFC South championship this year. Uh, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Bruce Arians, uh, all elite offensive line, uh, very good defense, all these things that make them seemingly uh, indomitable and you know ultimately that's the measuring stick that this team has to uh, has to try and uh, amount amount to uh, I think that I certainly think that Atlanta can be had obviously uh, you know winning I, I think winning the Falcons game earlier this year in Atlanta was huge because that has traditionally been Carolina's house of horrors uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's a good sign. They they beat the Saints uh, once already this year uh, when you know the Saints were a better team and they were a better team as well. The other remaining opponent is Buffalo, which uh, you know frankly can be had. They they don't look as good as they did uh, back in December, and then obviously they lost to uh, the Patriots on Monday night last week. So I think ultimately, if you can get two of those games, get the Get the Atlanta and get the New Orleans game. You know, we'll, we'll see because this is a pretty weak NFC this year. There's only I think five teams with a winning record as of yeah. as of right now. Uh, so as as long as you can kind of turn that seven seed battle into a into a real dogfight, I think I think the Panthers will have a shot uh, going into the late weeks of the season. But 
But really, it's going to be all about whether or not they can get to, I think, uh, okay, so assuming that scenario, so if you beat the Falcons twice, beat the Saints twice, you would be That's seven but wins. Don't, but don't, uh, but don't beat Tampa Bay. You would be like four and two in the division. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of the beauty of how the NFL schedule has been set up. Uh, we've got all these divisional games uh, lined up, and I think really that's going to be what determines the fate of this Carolina Panthers team. No, absolutely. And it's the funny thing. I sit here and I kind of count them out just based off what we've seen through 13 weeks of the season. It's hard to believe that this team is going to find any sort of consistency when they haven't been able to all year. But you look at the rest of the NFC and San Francisco is on the road and loses to a three-win Seattle team that still has Russell Wilson, but has a lot of questions to answer at the in, in this upcoming offseason about his future and just what they have as far as team building. And then the, the Vikings lose to the, the freaking winless Detroit Lions on Sunday. So while the Panthers might lose and not be, and be off and fire their OC, the rest of the NFC is still allowing them to sit right there and be only a game out of the playoffs. So we'll see what happens here yep. in the final Everyone's five weeks. I think it is. No, it, exactly. It's – it, they're, they're still in it, which I appreciate at least to have that slimmer glimpse of hope that maybe we can have some sort of happiness here in the final five weeks that can bring this city together after just the roller coaster of emotions that we've went, been through here during this 2021 Panthers season. Steven Toronto, you can follow him on Twitter at SToronto92. And Elon alum, he writes for the NFL and, cover, and also covers NASCAR for CBS Sports. You can also check out his Panthers-specific content over at the riot report steven thank you as always man for your time and thank you for joining me here on locked on panthers today absolutely julian thank you good stuff there from steven toronto fellow elon alum you can check out his stuff over at cbssports.com as he covers the nfl and also covers nascar my primary employer um also you can check him out over at the riot report where he talks carolina panthers He's always on the press conferences every once in a while. Anytime someone asks an interesting question that might be a little non-football, that's Steven, like right before Halloween when he asked Matt Rule if he was going to be like Ron Rivera and have the full-size candy bars, we never did get that answer to the question. And that might be one of the reasons why some of y'all don't want Matt Rule hitting more. Maybe he stiffed your kid, didn't give him a full-size candy bar. I don't know. But either way, make sure to follow Steven on Twitter at S Toronto 92 appreciate his time here on the show today and appreciate your time here on the show today as this wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast make sure to rate review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. you can also check us out on Spotify and all of the other major podcast platforms and make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council where every single Friday I want to hear from you for our weekly Friday mailbag either at me or DM me with whatever questions you have as they pertain to your Carolina Panthers. Go ahead and get those into me now. On Friday's show, going to talk to Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked On Falcons. We talked to him earlier this season ahead of the Carolina Panthers win on the road in Atlanta. We'll talk to him now ahead of the Week 14 matchup here at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte, 800 South Mint Street between the Falcons and the Panthers on tomorrow's show. So stay tuned for that as it's yet another edition of Crossover Thursdays here on Locked On Panthers. Until then, take care. Thanks for the support, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.